Thank you, children. Great job. The song that I've chosen to sing this morning comes from Appalachia. It's I Wonder as I Wander. And we can thank John Jacob Niles, a, an American singer, songwriter, um, histori historical musician, um, for having the song. He made a mission in his life um, to go to Appalachia to try to find all of the music that um, was native to the, the settlers there because they didn't write anything down. If, if somebody didn't go and actually do that, it would have been lost to future generations. And so I'm grateful for all of his work, especially for this song, but for many, many beautiful folk melodies that he has saved for us. Oh. 
May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our first reading is from Malachi, chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand in his as he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi, and refine them like gold and silver, until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in former years. Our second reading is from Luke, chapter 1, verses 68 through 70 and 78 through 79. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised us up as a mighty savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. This is God's words to God's people. Thanks, Thanks be unto God. The star that now is shining in sky so blue and holy bright, shown ages since to guide mankind to the Lord of Light.
members of the congregation and other people in the community, I, I recognize that a lot of us are, are struggling to get a sense of perspective on uh, the events of the, of the last month. I know that I have been uh, working hard on this because I'm finding myself just uh, really emotional about it and, and uh, cracking up like I am on occasions that doesn't seem to quite be um, maybe what's appropriate. And so I've been, I've been thinking a lot about it. I think you all as well have been thinking a lot about these things. I recognized as I looked back at the Thomas fire, it was just our one-year anniversary a few days ago for, for those of us affected by that, that that was an experience that was pretty traumatic. And, and now so many of the rest of you know what the Dilgers were going through uh, a year ago with that, that panic of feeling like a home is lost or what's our future like. And as I was thinking back upon that, I, I recognized that a couple things helped us move through that, and, and one of them was uh, getting up on the hillside with the Tebos and, and digging through the ashes of their daughter's home and looking for something that we could grab hold of from their past that they could take into their future, a little piece of porcelain or a ring or, or something. And, and we noticed that as we walked the hillsides, we walked the communities, and we talked to people, and Lots of people were trying to reconstruct how it happened, trying to get their brain around the mechanics of how a fire moves like that and burns. And, and all of that were ways by which we were revisiting and revisiting and getting a sense of perspective upon what we were going through. And it got me to be thinking about how I, I, I don't know whether we will ever be at peace from the 9-11 uh, events that happened to us, but when I, when Debbie and I went to the memorial in New York, and and were able to look down into those pools and to read some of the names, and then go down below in the corridors and to see some of the exhibits, uh, being there at the particular place was helpful for us. It it gave us a sense of perspective that um, that as much as we felt it was all over, don't turn your back. You know, look out, threat, threat. Um, we could kind of get a little sense of perspective about it by, by seeing the reality of it. And so I thought this week, I thought what might be helpful is to go over to Borderline. And so uh, I did. I drove over to Borderline, parked the car, kind of peered over the fence at the, at the bar and grill, and then walked to the corner and and spent the time to, to read the markings in the pavement. People have taken magic markers and, and made comments into the pavement around where this memorial area is at the corner. There must be three feet high worth of flowers that have just been put there, piled up over the weeks. Um, photographs of, of each victim. And one really nice presentation where all 12 are together on a map of California. Somebody really put some time into it. I found that doing that, going to the place, uh, helped me to move this sense of, of gun violence in America out of, out of just the floating anxiety and fears that are a part of 
one of the parts of our response to it, but made it a, a concrete, it happened here, you know, and it didn't happen here. And it hasn't happened at the corner there. There's a lot of places where it hasn't happened. A lot of communities where this hasn't happened. And that's not to minimize it. It, it is to say, though, that it's a reality that's happening in concrete places that needs to be addressed and not allowed to immobilize us by our fear or our anxiety or just a general feeling of malaise that it's out of control, there's nothing we can do. And so getting perspective has, has kind of helped me to feel like it is a specific thing that's happening here among us. And it is not what God wants. And I think we need to make sure that we put those two sentences together, we Christians. That we see something happening in our communities and in our nation. And we bring our faith to that and say, well, is this what God would have us do and be with one another? Or is this not? And if it's not, then we as followers of Christ Jesus are called upon to try to figure out how we can make it different. And the beginning part of that is not being immobilized by it, not feeling like there's nothing we can do, not being so overwhelmed that we just recede back and let things be. So getting perspective is helpful. It's something that we need to do, not only just to get up in the morning and walk down the street, go to the grocery store, but for our own spiritual and our emotional well-being. We need to get some sense of perspective. But I do understand, and I, I make it clear that I do understand that it's very hard to do. Because when you live through something like this, you just feel that a pall has been cast upon you. Some shadow has overtaken you. And you live in a, in a darkness of sorts. But we worship a Lord who comes into the darkness and brings light. And so the peace that seems so distant from us that we even would have the gall to hope in that peace is something that God wants for us and is something that we need to aspire after. So I would hope that on your hearts are words of prayer like mine that say, Come, Lord Jesus, take our hand. We need you present clearly by us. Take our hands and lead us onward. Guide us to the still waters, Lord Jesus, and to the green pastures. Bring light into our darkness. 
give us your peace that we might be bearers of peace to others. Bono has a great lyric in one of his songs. I think the song is called Peace on Earth, in which he says, Jesus, can you take the time to throw a drowning man a line? Peace on earth, peace on earth, he sings. And we wonder, when will there be peace on earth? The heralding angels trumpeted the call throughout the heavens one night some 2,000 years ago. And we're told that the shepherds heard it and responded to it. And we believe that the Holy Family embodied it. And we assert that a movement of people embraced that and they called it their way. And we are heirs of those people. And we follow the one who came and more often than not, as he would approach somebody, he would say, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Be at peace. Yet we're finding it more elusive than ever, that peace. We aspire, but we seem to struggle to attain it or to hold on to it when we have kind of a feeling of it. And we look around and we see that people war and war. They fight and they fight. This morning, I'm driving down Victoria to get to the freeway, and I'm behind these two guys in their, I don't know, I'm not a truck guy, but I think it's an F-150 or something like that, muscle truck kind of thing. And they're doing this, and the, and the light turns green. And they're speeding down Little Victoria Avenue, heading towards the freeway, and I'm, I'm thinking, thank God I'm behind them, not in front of them. But I'm also thinking, are they going to crash and I'm going to come right up against that crash? Um, what's going on? What were those guys up to? You know, it's some, kind of, some kind of thing. Can we not be at peace? Can we not just kind of be nice with one another? I see God looking down on us, and I think God is crying, and I think God is angry. And calling out in a loud voice, I hear God saying, please, people, stop this. Stop killing each other. Love each other. I've shared my son with you so you would love each other, not kill each other. So I'm thinking there's a reason that we're so bad at outer peace. And I think that reason is that we're, we're not so good at inner peace. I remembered that Thomas Merton said, 
We are not at peace with others because we're not at peace with ourselves. And we're not at peace with ourselves because we're not at peace with God. I think peace begins with getting right with God. You know, to kill or to maim another person, you cannot be at peace with God. To kill an innocent person, you've got to just be so full of yourself where, where you're so focused on your own feelings, your own perspectives, your own needs, your own illnesses, whatever it is. You're, you're not thinking of, of the person there. You're only thinking of yourself. It's a terrible example of not being at peace with God. And I go back in my scriptures and I, I think about how what we consider our first sin as humans was that we wanted to be like God. Remember Adam and Eve's story? We wanted to be like God. We were not going to take God's advice. We were going to do it our own way because we could be like God. And then, before too long, comes the second sin. And what is that? Cain killing Abel. Brother killing a brother. And then defiantly saying, I'm not his keeper. I'm not responsible for him. And boy, has that echoed down the centuries. So I think I agree with Merton in saying that our road to peace, this peace that we're trying to think about and grab hold of this Christmas season, that the road to peace begins with getting right with God. And getting right with God requires a little or maybe I should say a lot, of soul-searching and soul-shaping. It, it takes an effort. It doesn't happen accidentally. You need to be focused. You need to be intentional about going after this intimacy with God, to connect with God, to allow God's Spirit to wash around inside of you and affect who you are. Two scriptures get us thinking about this this morning. From this point of view, Malachi, the, the prophet, saying the, the pathway to this kind of right relationship with God is repentance. Repentance leads to peace. This passage that you heard read by David is one that we think often about as referring to John the Baptist the one who goes before and prepares the way of the Lord. The importance of the refiner's fire and the fuller's soap for cleansing, for purifying. A necessary step in having a healthy, dynamic, intimate relationship with God.
And Luke's passage is a part of a, of a longer series of verses that are, have to do with John the Baptist and how John lives out these words of the prophet of old and he is preparing the way of salvation for us all and he heralds the one who will come and give light to those who sit in darkness. Give comfort for those whose knees are weak in the shadow of death. To be a guide to our feet in the ways of peace. So here we are in this holy place looking for a peace. And I would say if you are looking for a peace that will keep you steady amid the storms of life, that will keep you centered and will keep you balanced at times of distress or at times of disease, if you're looking for a peace that will help you thrive and advance at times of, of great challenge, then you'd be well advised to strengthen your relationship with God in Christ. And let the Holy Spirit loose within you so that God does affect your thoughts and your actions and the things that you say. Worship, Bible study, prayer, service, these are all tools that we have been given to help us in this quest of intimacy with God, for finding peace for ourselves and, and spreading peace among our neighbors and our neighborhood. And Christmas is a marvelous opportunity for us to take strides in this direction of intimacy with God. Because how more intimate could God present God's self to us than in human form of a baby? God wants our love. God wants our relationship. And God has tried to make it easy for us. So we pray, come Lord Jesus, come anew to us this Christmas season. We are unsettled and we are in need of you. Take our hands, lead us onward. Guide us beside the still waters and to the green pastures. Bring light into our darkness. Give us your peace. And help us extend that peace outward. Peace. Give us your peace. Amen.